Good afternoon, everybody. This is Steve Janikowski, and welcome to the Brower Janikowski conference call entitled, What's the Market Outlook for the Remainder of 2017? Before we begin, please note that this call is being recorded and that all attendees' lines have been muted. The call will be available on our website tomorrow, the recording that is. Later in the call, there will be a time for questions, and if you have a question, you can dial star 9. I'm joined by Christian Thwaites, our Chief Strategist, and Rita Lee, our Director of Research. Good afternoon. Hello, everybody. The call will last about 20 minutes, as usual, and following the call, a, the replay will be available, as I mentioned. Uh, as, as usual, we'll start with a very high-level overview of the economy and the markets, and then we'll open it up for questions in the remaining time. So what's changed since our last call? Well, we had a little bit of international intrigue, North Korea's uh, Kim Jong-un has threatened to attack Guam and somewhere within the U.S. with nuclear weapons. And there was a little bit of volatility uh, in the markets, but nothing really noteworthy so far. And here at home, we have the continuing and additional drama in Washington. The U.S. economy, however, continues to plug along at its slow growth trajectory. Inflation and interest rates continue to remain low. Noteworthy, though, is that consumer confidence continues to grow and has gone up markedly since the Great Recession. And while bank and other cash saving rates are actually beginning to decline, people have been saving money uh, because of uncertainty, and now that savings rate is beginning to go down. Um, and that's natural that the savings rate may begin to go down because as unemployment continues to drop, people feel less concerned about their work situations, and s instead of saving as much, people are now beginning to spend some of that money. So while a rise in consumer confidence sounds like it should be a really good thing, it's also one of the cautionary signs we're paying attention to. So as confidence continues to rise, spending rates rise, savings decline, these eventually sow the seeds for future inflation. And the markets are beginning to pay attention to inflation. This perhaps is a primary driver in the 9% decline of the U.S. dollar and 15% increase in the price of gold so far this year. But we're not concerned at this time, however, because we're still in a Goldilocks economy, not too hot, not too cold. There's no sign of recession on the horizon, and inflation is not yet a problem. We'll continue to follow developments, but for now, we like the environment for investing. I'm going to turn it over now to Christian Thwaites and Rita Lee for a deeper dive, as always and our view on the foreign markets and the domestic markets. Thanks, Steve, um, and welcome back, everybody, from uh, my last call and uh, after the summer. So I just want to touch on four points quickly. Uh, firstly, the, uh, the, the state of the economy, and as Steve mentioned, inflation is low, growth is low. Uh, if people have been following our, our weekly blogs, you'll see that we wrote up last week the uh, second quarter uh, growth. There was a rebound in it, up to about 3% from a bad first quarter, which was less than 1%, but we kind of feel that that's old news at this point. We're really keeping our eye on the on the current quarter, which seems to be coming in at uh, around about that number, about 3%, which sounds good, and it certainly sounds better than this kind of 2% that we've been averaging, but for the year as a whole, we've still got a low first quarter and uh, and the fourth quarter numbers you know, ahead of us, and it doesn't necessarily seem as if we'll breach the 3% for the, for the year as a whole. Um, what we are seeing, too, is inflation is still pretty modest. Uh, it actually seems very difficult for the Fed to hit its 2% target for the 
personal consumption expenditure, which is the inflation rate which they track, and it's being held down by a number of things. Those of you who have just renewed their wireless services with Verizon, we've seen a 13% price cut year over year. Also, uh, housing is is uh, is a little bit um, growing uh, growing on much slower than it was, and I think that's partly because of the increase in in, uh, in mortgage rates, but also because uh, job growth hasn't been that robust. Um, and also we're seeing some of this Amazon effect where Amazon seems to be undercutting so many of the retailers that they've kept their prices down. So they also have helped, have helped to keep inflation much lower than people expected, and we don't see any likely uh, pop for that uh, anytime soon. We had, we had some disappointing non-farm payrolls, which is just a uh, complicated way of saying jobs numbers on Friday. Uh, which, which set us back from two or three months of fairly good numbers, although August does tend to have some strange seasonals, which the Bureau of Labor can't seem to adjust for. But they weren't, they weren't that strong, and, uh, and, and we're sort of in this belief that the economy is, is uh, really not able to get out of this uh, two, two plus a little bit of, of uh, growth range. And since you note that the Fed will probably move the uh, uh, Fed funds rate one more time this year in December. Um, but remember that interest rates today, 10-year was down as 2.06. And a year ago, just under a year ago, just following the election, it was 2.6%. So 2.6% almost a year ago, during which time the Fed has been talking about raising rates and has actually raised rates twice. And, rates, and yet rates are 45 basis points lower than when they started. So we think that's a lot of what's going on. Um, we just don't see uh, a big sort of upside coming in interest rates for a lot of reasons, some of which we've covered in our weekly blogs, that the demographics and the, and the um, uh, demand for bonds you know, run very high in that. Just a quick side word on Hurricane Harvey. What will its effects be? Again, we've spoken to this a little bit. We've looked at the numbers this morning. Uh, Post-Katrina, the GDP went up to about 4.9% from about 3.5%, but the damage there was was pretty significant. We don't know yet whether Harvey's coming in with similar numbers. And uh, there was actually no GDP increase post-Hurricane Sandy. So we, so we might see something, but it's a bit difficult to tell at this point. We don't think it'll be very big. So the second big point is the kind of legislative crunch that we're about to enter into. And obviously, anyone who's been watching the news recently knows that we're up against the debt ceiling. So that's going to... Uh, Yet again. Yet again, as it did in 2013. We put a graph in a couple of years ago, which showed that's a couple of weeks ago in our in our uh, blog, which showed that um, you know rate, short-term rates will probably hike a bit, but doesn't mean long-term rates will. And what we've seen right today actually was that one-month rates see were at 123, and two-year rates are at 128. So that tells you that short-term, the bond and the bill market is worried about a possible technical default, which means perhaps a late payment, worst case, but the longer term rate picture doesn't seem to have changed very much. Uh, so they do have to deal with the debt ceiling. Uh, we've been promised, uh, you know, a, a mother of all tax packages. We'll wait and see whether or not that comes in quite the way uh, people expect it. Um, and then complicated on top of that is the uh, relief for Harvey. So there is going to be a fairly busy legislative session for the next few weeks, and we, we think the market might result, might, might have some ups or downs in the middle of that. Um, turning our focus to U.S. equities, uh, right now the low rates support the valuations, and we've been thinking that for most of the year. Uh, the valuations are a little stretched on a price-earnings ratio, or if you follow the cyclically adjusted price-earnings ratio, or a number of other models which are dependent upon 
rates for their valuation, but but certainly growth has been coming through. We talked about the 9% increase in earnings, which we saw in the first quarter, so it's slightly below that in the second quarter. And even if you strip out the energy rebounds, that the rebound that was uh, pretty uh, pretty good, strong earnings. So we think some of the, uh, the, the 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 market levels has been well supported by growth in earnings. So the market has sort of not not done a lot in the last uh, three 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 four well, weeks. Yeah. yeah. So we saw most of the growth this year. They grew up about 8% year to date, maybe a little bit more. Most of that happening in the first uh, month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so it's up there and helped by the valuations. But meanwhile, earnings are clicking along at a, at a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty uh, impressive rate. And and just to just point out, although you you've applied this, Christian, the, the market rise really is almost just in alignment with the amount of earnings growth rate exactly. plus plus the dividends payout. So and that's, that's where we are year to date. We're up about 11% year to date, including dividends. Yeah, which is which is encouraging to see when you right. get those coming through. The other one, Steve, I mentioned your view on this, but uh, when you do see M and A happening, and we saw the United uh, Technologies one with with Rockwell, I think today is a pretty big uh, merger in the aerospace. That seems to imply a certain level of confidence. I think that CEOs yeah. have right. they're going to go ahead with things like that, and so that's been you know, encouraging to see those as well. well those numbers on uh, business confidence have been going up as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's good. And then you had good ISM on Friday. And then uh, just quickly on the international side, uh, the story there has been the weak dollar, as Steve mentioned, 9% correction in the dollar. All things being equal gives you a 9% gain on your overseas earnings or overseas investments. So we still think the major story is the EU. So this is Europe without the Brexiteers from the UK and without the Scandinavian countries and without Switzerland. It's just the countries which use the euro as their currency. We think there's still a lot of catch-up with those markets. They've been uh, out of favor for a very, very long time. Most people have underweight them. They do have an, uh, a dividend yield at least a point above the S&P, which makes it attractive. So that puts them up at only north of 3%. Earnings growth is coming through from a very low base. And we've also seen some interesting shareholder activism, uh, which has been uh, received in a very positive way, and you've had companies like Danon and Nestle, and I, I think quite a few others who have uh, come out and been fairly progressive, I think, in their in their um, intentions to make more sort of shareholder-friendly returns to their to their shoulders. So we continue to like the international market. We haven't really got time to jump into Asia right now, but there's a similar story going on in Japan, which we like. So we're at the top end of our range for our international. Uh, equity allocation, we kind of like it there. It's the market has taken us up, it's up about 20% this year, um, and so that's that's the other area which we continue to like uh, probably for the rest of the year. Yeah, portfolio has done actually really quite well. The international component has really uh, helped a lot, and the uh, U.S. funds have done well too. Bonds have actually been good performance this year too, solid performance. So all around solid performance with you know in this sort of what I'd I like to call this Goldilocks economy. <laughs> Nothing spectacular, but earnings continue to chug along, rates stay low, and portfolios should continue to do well. Yeah, fundamentally, where, where we've cho we chosen to tilt to, such as the domestic-facing um, companies, have also helped us significantly. Um, international small caps, particularly, also um, helped the portfolio performance quite a bit, um, as well as the avoidance of uh, UK, and yeah. as you mentioned. The other thing is, uh, we, were, we were talking amongst ourselves the other day, about the, uh, the the tax changes, if there are any tax changes, it seems like the reduction in corporation tax is sort of almost candidate number one. 
they kind of ran the numbers to see what that would look like. So the S&P 500 tax rate is 17%, and for our friends down in Silicon Valley, it's probably in single digits would be where they're able to you know, put their overseas earnings. Right. Uh, so, so it's not going to make a big difference to them. But for the smaller companies, the effective tax rate is 28%. So if there is a change in corporation tax, you know, we feel that it will drop straight down to the bottom line of the smaller company sector, which hasn't run as well as the larger company sector. And it, it may not be that important for the large companies, except perhaps on repatriation of their overseas uh, assets. And maybe, yeah, and maybe financial or tax. Yes, and financial. Any uh, questions? We do have, uh, we have two questions here. and. Uh, and so, so if, if someone has a question and you'd like to dial in, it's you can press star nine. Otherwise, we do have two uh, questions that were emailed in. And uh, two very good questions. I really had to uh, think about these. And, um, uh, but anyway, let me give you the first one. Can you comment what the long-term economic effects might be if the explosive growth of investments in virtual currencies, Bitcoin, Ether, etc., continues? I'll kind of raise the white flag and say I'm not an expert on virtual currencies and these uh, ICOs, initial currency offerings, which have come out uh, quite a bit recently. They have, they have become incredibly popular. Um, personally, I'm a little concerned that they might be a little toppy. These are you know, very frothy. They haven't been regulated by any regulatory agency I know of, uh, the SEC, uh, first of all. Uh, so. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how those um, how those turn out, but certainly we wouldn't be investing them uh, on behalf of clients, and, and I personally wouldn't either. But uh, in terms of long term, I think it's obviously going to affect the cryptology market. I mean, that's obviously a backbone of a lot of uh, tech businesses, so that's going to advance that. It probably will have an effect on the way payments uh, are made. If I was CEO of Visa or Mastercard right now, I'd be thinking about what this might mean for us and. Uh, and it'd be worth looking at that, although I don't think it's going to be big enough yet to undermine any of those guys. And if it does get that big, then the regulators will be all over it. Uh, and that's my third point about regulation, is that uh, these sort of um, investments sitting in a, in, a, in a blackout area of, of regulation, not really covered by everyone, eventually gets someone's attention. Will also probably lead to, you know, and we don't we don't really know. I don't I can't anticipate yet what it'll lead to, but in central bank policy, because it's something that's sort of off the radar screen in terms of, you know, when the when the banks looking when central banks are looking at following monetary policy, and you have a growing sector of this sort of this black box uh, currency, it'll be interesting to see how the regulators uh, deal with that. I, I don't think we have an answer yet because we. we just which is free uh, where, where, where they're following this and it's called FT Alphaville, you know, FT Alphaville, one word, it'll show up in any search engine and, and the, uh, the journalists there have covered this pretty well, anything I know from about virtual <laughs> uh, currencies from them. <laughs> so uh, the second question is there's hype the United States is sitting on a large untapped energy resource and just wondering when and if geothermal energy is going to take off. Again, a question where uh, to really think about it and um, I, I do know this much, that there, there is a, an excess amount of oil and gas and energy reserves in the United States and it doesn't take long for 
multiple um, drills and uh, and fields to turn back fracking on or turn back uh, you know, the gas and, and oil fields, even if they're marginal producers. So if there is any spike in oil, I, I, I personally think you'll just see a lot of these suppliers just come back online very quickly. Right. And the, the alternatives in places like California are getting a lot of support. So it's obviously solar and, and wind being number one. I just don't know where geothermal stands in that because they tend to have a lot more uh, you know, consequences for natural, you know, the natural beauty, the green uh, effect, uh, as well as transmission. So I don't know if that's going to be a significant amount of uh, a significant source of energy for us. Yeah, as long as the traditional uh, energy uh, producers' costs stay low, some of the other alternative wind power, solar, geothermal are less likely to catch on because the marginal cost is so much higher. And they have to be tax subsidies and right. so no harm right. with the past. But Although a lot of the um, uh, companies such as uh, the, the oil producing companies and um, energy producing companies actually are spending more money on alternate um, energy producing. Um, you know, Chevron and Exxon, they are spending a portion of their budget in um, developing some of those. And I think that's where some of the ESG has come into play. And um, we've gotten more uh, interest on that. So if you have any questions, um, please feel free to um, talk to your advisors. Great. Do we have uh, any more questions? Thank you very much, everybody. We're signing off. Uh, just to let you know that this recording will be available on our website tomorrow. And do check, please check our website for other updates. Uh, and now I'm going to read the disclosure. How quickly can you read that? <laughs> Not as quickly as people are clicking off right now. <laughs> Here they go. Please note that the information provided in this presentation is for general information purposes only. It should not be considered individualized recommendation or personalized investment advice. The investment strategy discussed in this presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or own particular situation before making an investment decision or expressions of opinion on subject change without notice and react to shifting market or economic conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The opinions presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance. Wonderful. Good night, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. Bye. Bye.